Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Upside Swings Draft Podcast, the podcast the highest ceiling. We are right there around draft day. Um, I think by the time you're hearing this, it's going to be three days away. Uh, by the time we're recording this, it's four or five. I don't know. My brain is all jumbled. I have no idea what's going on. Uh, this is we Stone and I uh, are here to do a predictive mock draft. Uh, we're going to try and predict how the draft is going to go. Um, we don't have any bets on this. Perhaps we should. We should bet on who gets the most picks right. Um, but this is such a an interesting exercise because we have no intel. We are just purely going off of what we've heard from other people who have intel. And there's so much smoke going on around the draft. We're trying to get in the head of GMs. It's sort of a fun exercise. It's not one I'm used to. Stone is more used to it as he does uh, these types of mocks for lines.com. So we're just in an interesting headspace right now. Uh, we got this. We have uh, a mock draft we did with some friends uh, coming out tomorrow. And then Stone and I's final big board will be coming out the last day before the draft. So some programming notes there. And then uh, for the first time in like a long time, Upside swings will not be on your on your podcast feed every single day. So some programming notes to start us off. Of course, I'm joined by the great Stone Hanson. Stone, how are you doing? Uh, I'm doing well. I'm really really excited for the draft coming up. Um, I know we're wrapping it up, so uh, it's been a blast this whole draft cycle. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm excited to get to it. Yeah, we're definitely, it feels a little odd to be this close, to be honest, with how, like, it's almost like, you know, like, I just went to Disney World, and it's almost that feeling of, like, once it's here, it's not going to feel real, you know, I I will be working the day of the draft, so it's going to be, like, that whole day, just, I barely have any service, and then I'll get home and just get flooded with all the predictions and everyone's work, and it'll be crazy, um, but we are here to maybe a little less crazy than we generally are. Stone and I uh, could sometimes be some like draft hot take machines, but today we are going to try and get in the minds of the NBA GM's consensus, as one might say, and predict what is going to happen. Uh, I won our, our little virtual game of rock, paper, scissors, so I'm going to be picking first for the Detroit Pistons. We're not going to do any trades. Trades are uh, virtually impossible to predict, so we're not going to do that. Uh, there will be some trades, but I honestly think, and Stone, I want to get your opinion on this. I think people are acting like it's going to be like one of the craziest draft nights ever. And I, I don't know. I think it'll be just like any other draft night. Do, do you think I'm wrong on that? Or how do you feel? I think there, there seems to be more smoke this year than there was last year. I would say, I would, I would say it, there's maybe only like one big name, which would be Beal that gets moved. Maybe I, I don't even know for sure, but um, I feel like a lot of it is going to be teams either moving up or down within the draft, and not a whole lot of moving out necessarily. So um, I think that's something that might we might see more so than other years, but I don't expect a ton of like blockbuster deals. Yeah, I think I'm I'm in the same uh, boat as you. I don't see really any blockbuster deals going down like any year there's going to be something it's just you know it's the nature of the beast uh there's going to be some moves whether they're lateral or not we don't know um but i 
I have a tough time really like like narrowing it down and saying that I'm really confident any any specific trade is going to happen or anything big. Uh, I don't see a Beal move. Um, I just feel like we've heard about Beal getting traded for like six years. And uh, we can actually, yeah, we can get into this a little bit before we start actually, because I feel pretty confident that like the Kings might move their pick at number nine. Uh, I feel like that's something that's been floated around heavily, even since we had uh, Brendan Nunez on our pod. Um, he, he mentioned it. Uh, I feel pretty confident that the, um, the Thunder will not be keeping all three of their first round picks. Um, that might be something that some people disagree with, but I, I think uh, after six, I feel like they'll hold on to six, but after six, 16 and 18, they're pretty up in the air. Um, and then, yeah, there's, there's a lot, I think, that could happen uh, in terms of teams moving up or down just to package them if they have a lot of picks or, or whatnot. So uh, th- those would be probably the main picks, though, I think, that get moved. Yeah, I, so I guess my question is for you. Do you think that there's anyone moving into the top five this year? Um, I think the Oklahoma City, the Oklahoma City Thunder are the team that's gotten the most smoke there, right? As like a team that just desperately wants to get into the top five uh, and they have ammo to do it. Uh, if I'm the Raptors, I would seriously consider, you know, six, 12 and 18 or what is it? Six, 16 and 18 for yeah. like a, their number four pick. Uh, like, do you think, would you predict there to be any movement within the top five or do you think it's pretty, it's pretty set in stone, at least that high? Um, I, I don't think anybody moves into the top five, but it could, I feel like there could be some shuffling of the deck within the top five. Um, I think there's been outside of number one, like even number one has gotten, there's been some smoke. I don't know how much you buy into it of, of them being moved around, but I, I think like, uh, two, three, and four, like there is a decent chance, uh, even five, two, like there's a decent chance any of those picks could be moved around in, in any sort of order because um, it seems like some teams really like Evan Mobley if he's if he falls past the Rockets um, team is really like Scotty Barnes there, there's a lot of shuffling I think within that top five but I'd be somewhat surprised if anybody straight up moved uh, from outside the top five back into it yeah I think I think we're on the same page there and then there's obviously going to be some maneuvering like there always is later in the draft I mean no one predicted last year the Knicks would what did it it was like they traded like 25 and 27 for like 23 and 26 or something like that it was like it ended up being an actually good good move uh consecutive moves for them but um that and then like the uh the the Pistons moved to uh number 19 to get Sadiq Bay uh, after Luke Kennard like there's trades like that that you don't hear much rumblings of beforehand that you, you just can't really predict unless you're plugged into the organization which unfortunately at this point we are not so it's it's tough for us to try and determine that yeah exactly maybe someday my friend but uh yeah for now for now we're just gonna try and make these uh these picks straight up and and, you know i I think we should have a bet i think um whoever whichever the of the two of us gets the most right I, i don't know what are you willing to put on the line stone oh man um, I mean, if you've seen on Twitter, I'm willing to, uh, to bet pretty heavily. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, so not, not financially, but, uh, yeah, not financially. We're both, we are both, uh, poor young adults. So well, let's, let's uh, not bet on that. Hmm. 
I'll, I'll get back to you after. I'll, I'll think All about right. the draft. Um, and like I said, I'm picking first. So that gives me supreme confidence that I have at least one of these picks right. Um, so without further ado, let's get started uh, with the first pick. The uh, Detroit Pistons will select uh, Cade Cunningham out of Oklahoma State. Uh, this is – there's not much analysis to be done here. Even some people that have Mobley number one, I think it's still – it's no surprise, and this is far from a bad pick, even if you do have Cade number one. I mean, this is just – Cade is – or even if you do have Mobley number one, excuse me. Cade is just that guy. I just – he is the only bet in this draft that a potential heliocentric creator. He's 6'8". He's an elite shooter, a very good passer. It's, there's nothing not to like here. So, Stone, uh, if you have any analysis, go ahead. But if not, move on to what very well might be the hardest pick in this whole draft to really predict. Uh, and that is the second pick. Yeah, um, I'm not, I don't have too much analysis to add there. I think we've pretty much covered Cade, too, uh, and everybody else has ad nauseum. Uh, so with the second pick, I'm going to have the Rockets take Jalen Green here. Um, if you asked me this draft lottery night, I would have said Evan Mobley. Um, but pretty much like uh, day by day, I'm becoming more increasingly confident that it's Jalen Green and to the point that it's like maybe like a 60, 40 percentage ways that I'm leaning they take Jalen Green here. I don't necessarily agree with the pick, um, but I think it's probably, at least for me right now, the pick that I think they make on draft night. Yeah, I think you and I are in agreement there. I, uh, I think Jalen Green will be the pick, and I don't think it's a bad pick. I just, I, I think it's, it's a less ceiling-based pick. I think Evan Mobley would significantly increase their ceiling a lot more than a Jalen Green. Um, but Jalen Green is a very good prospect, and uh, I, I've, I've said my fair share on, on that second pick. So uh, the Cavs with this third pick will be selecting, of course, Evan Mobley. My hot take is that this – I actually think this might not be the Cavs here. I could see this being either the Raptors or the Thunder – uh, because I think the Cavs are the type of team that might be like, oh, we have Jared Allen that we're going to pay. I don't want Evan Mobley. I'd rather trade back and get maybe Scotty Barnes or Jonathan Kaminga or whoever. Um, and I, I could see them doing that. But Evan Mobley here with the third pick, again, kind of a no-brainer. Sort of seems like a three-person draft. I think for the two of us, we might say four people with Kai Jones. At least that's how I'm feeling. Um, but in terms of sort of the consensus and even us would still have these three as the top three uh kj and green evan mobley it seems like the, a pretty safe bet there uh so stone you're up next with the raptors yeah um i'm gonna go Jalen Suggs here i think um for all the buzz that scotty barnes has gotten over the past you know week week or two i think it's still uh, i still lead Jalen Suggs here um i think a lot of people are still sort of enamored with what he did uh, during their the Gonzaga run there uh, throughout the collegiate season. Um, and, yeah, I, I think he's just – he's someone I would probably bet on. Again, maybe more like a 70-30 percentage-wise in terms of how confident I am between him and Scotty Barnes. Um, but I, I feel like this was probably the most likely pick if they stay at four. Yeah, I, I would agree. Um, and he makes a lot of sense for where the Raptors are right now. Uh, we had that episode with hoop goose uh that was that was great we talked a lot about Jalen Suggs um with this fifth pick uh for me the Orlando Magic pick Scotty Barnes um it really seemed like Kamingo was somewhat set in stone here but I'm to a point where I'd be shocked if he goes at five 
it seems like the buzz is all Scotty Barnes right now. Uh, and, and I kind of understand it. I have Kaminga ahead of Barnes, but uh, Barnes is a very magic pick and he sort of is, is a very aesthetically pleasing player. I think in a lot of ways in that, like, he's just, we sort of love these super high field guys with really interesting physical tools. Um, I'm a lot lower on Scotty. I, I've kind of said my piece on that, uh, but I, I think that'll be the pick. So Stone, you are up next with the Oklahoma City Thunder. Yeah, and uh, we could actually get into it. Um, so I guess after these, this pick and the next one, um, there's a chance the Magic might get both Scotty and Kuminga just staying put where they're at, uh, which I don't think anybody saw happening like a month ago. Um, so I'm going to go with James Booknight here, actually. Um, over the past like week, it seems like he's really risen. Um, <clears throat> I know a friend of the podcast, Yosef, has uh, said on Twitter, like he, he brought up an article saying that um, like Sam Presti uh, has been enamored with him, even going back to the last draft cycle. Um, seems to be a lot of buzz. I know on the uh, ESPN special today with Woj and uh, Woj and Low that Woj I think selected him at number uh, seven here for the for the Magic. So there seems to be a lot of like signals sort of pointing towards it, depending on how much you buy into that. Um, he seems like a prestige sort of pick, uh, really athletic two guard. Um, so that, that's where I'm going to go here. Uh, it, it's tough to decide with the magic and what way Presti will go, but it seems like a, like a, a thundery pick and that's, that's where I'm going to go here. Yeah. Uh, I think James Booknight's, uh, agent has been a huge winner of this draft cycle. Um, he like James Booknight, I feel like was not someone mentioned at all this high, uh, especially above someone like Jonathan Kaminga until, you know, just just within like the past couple of weeks, um, I actually thought there was if you would have asked me right after he got booted, uh, him and UConn got booted from the uh, March Madness tournament this year. I would have said that James Booknight is more likely to go outside of the lottery than top six. Um, but, you know, I guess things change. Um, so that leaves me with the Warriors. The Warriors are at a weird spot uh, because I doubt they make this pick like I feel like for almost anything, you know, Bradley Beal is obviously a name that's going to get thrown around a lot. I doubt it's Bradley Beal, but I don't think they want to be making this pick by really any means. Um, but I think whoever is here is going to end up taking uh, Jonathan Kaminga. Um, Kaminga is just, he's, he's sort of like the, like, the, the aesthetic ideal of a basketball player, right? He's like six, seven, six, eight. I've seen as low as six, six. He's somewhere in that three inch range. Uh, big, he, he plays like a super effect. Yeah. Yeah. No, absolutely. And he, and he plays like a lead scorer too. Like he is big, he's strong. He tries to get to his spots. Um, is this a great pick here at seven? I, I don't mind it. I think I'm higher than like some draft bidder who's like really dropped out on him as. Uh, we'll get into when we do our big board. Um, but I think at seven, I, I think this is where he's going to end up. I just, someone, whether it be the Warriors or someone else, is just going to say this is too low for a guy like this to go and, and, and select him. Uh, so, Stone, you are up next with the Orlando Magic again. Yeah, so just to go real quick back to the Warriors, that's a really – this is really an interesting case, I think, at number seven for them. If 
If Kuminga ends up dropping past the Thunder, do the Warriors go with who they think is the best of value and try to move that pick afterwards? Or do they take who they think just fits their team best from day one and can give them the most value that way? So it's a really interesting dichotomy that they have to deal with. And I'm, I'm really intrigued on how they, how they uh, go, uh, move forward with that because it's a scenario that I think is actually somewhat likely to, to happen. So we'll, we'll see what they go with on that on draft night. Uh, but with the magic pick, it's also another sort of difficult pick for me. I'm, they could go many different ways here, I think. Um, I'm going to go with... Uh, man, this is tough. I'm going to go with Moses Moody, I think, here. Um, they could go a lot of ways. I think if Kuminga's still on the board, it's a lock that they take Kuminga. I don't see Kuminga falling past eight on draft night. Um, I think that's virtually a lock to happen. Uh, but if he is taken at seven, then I think Moody is probably the pick here. It just seems like a super long wingspan. We know that fits with the magic. Um, can shoot, kind of fill in that Evan Fournier role that he left. Um, so, yeah, I'm going to go Moses Moody here, but I'm not super confident in this pick. <laughs> yeah, this is where the draft really starts to to whether you say open up or fall apart, however you want to put it. Like like it, we're getting to a point where it's sort of we're kind of taking guard darts on like this guy's been linked there or they've worked him out a couple times. We're we're out of our comfort zones at this point. We're we're those like there are some interesting questions in that in that tops that top eight, but or the that top seven, excuse me. But I do feel like those seven guys we took: Cade Cunningham, Jalen Green, Evan Mobley, Jalen Suggs, Scotty Barnes, James Booknight, and Jonathan Kaminga are the top seven picks. Uh, Booknight is the only one who might fall, but I honestly think if the Thunder don't take Booknight and they take Kaminga, the Warriors will take Booknight at seven. That that's how I'm feeling. Are are you on the are you on the same page, Stone? It's not a lock for me. Um, I think if if Booknight were to fall, there's still, I would still say Moody, Wagner, and, and Davion Mitchell would be somewhat on their radar, um, especially Mitchell. I think he, he's come in for a couple workouts at this point now. Uh, the Warriors seem to have been linked to him for seemingly this whole draft cycle. Um, but yeah, I, 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 he's another person, much like Kuminga, where Either Booknight or Kaminga, if they're available at number eight, I would be shocked if they were to fall past eight. But I wouldn't say they're necessarily a lock at seven, although it's a chance that it happens. Yeah, I think that's fair. And, and Moody is someone who we've seen lower on quite a few mocks. Um, but I, I'm with you where I think, especially with the magic, if Kaminga's gone, he makes a lot of sense here. Um, and someone else who I think makes a lot of sense, who's been heavily linked to a team, that's the Kings and that's Michigan's Franz Wagner. Um Wagner has been like linked here pretty, pretty substantially. We've, we've seen reports just saying directly, like Franz is the name is one of the few picks outside of number one and, and maybe number five for me that I'm pretty confident in. Um, I, I think that Franz makes a lot of sense here. And I also think he's been pretty heavily linked. Um, I actually don't know if it'll be the Kings making this pick. Uh, honestly, for all I know, it could be the 76ers if, if the Kings really want Ben Simmons. So We'll see how it goes, but uh, as of right now, I'm taking Franz Wagner at nine with the Kings. Yeah, and I think that's um, – there's even been whispers that they, they've already made a promise to him. Um, but I think the question is, like you said, is are they actually staying at nine? 
if they are staying at nine, I think it's Wagner, but there's, I think, maybe like a 50-50 chance at this point that it's not actually their pick come draft night. So we'll see what happens there. With the 10th pick, um, this is another team that could go a lot of different directions. Um, I feel like they've worked out pretty much everyone who's had their name linked in the lottery. Um, but I'm going to go with Davion Mitchell here, I think. Um, it, it's one of him or Kispert, I would think. Um, I'm not necessarily confident in any either of those again, um, but but Mitchell uh, seems to be someone who's been heavily linked in the lottery. I'd be shocked if he falls outside the lottery. Um, and pretty much anywhere seven through 14 seems like he could go there. Um, I guess the Pelicans make as much sense as any to for him to be there. <laughs> so that's sort of my reasoning. Um, obviously, Lonzo could be gone. Sounds like he's likely out of new orleans um maybe this is their and they're trying to move blood so it sounds like too with his contract uh so maybe they want to shore up their their backcourt uh, and mitchell's the, the pick here for them yeah I, I think that's a pick that makes a lot of sense um i don't love it like i'm lower on davion than this but if like there was to be like a landing spot for davion i don't like in the in the lottery i don't mind it to be the pelicans um, I think they could really use someone outside of Zion to uh, like, like create some rim pressure um, because they really struggled with that last year, despite having no spacing, they still weren't generating rim pressure. They were just, uh, they were like the Pelicans were underrated, like as like just a really horribly constructed team. Um, and I'll be honest, I don't think the Pelicans make that pick uh, from what I've heard. It really seems like um, they're going to be, moving off of this pick to try and get away from uh, to try and get away from Eric Bledsoe's contract. So that's how I'm feeling here. Um, really, really quick. How do you feel about that? How do you, how would you feel about them using 10 as, as a piece of leverage to get off of Bledsoe's contract? Do you think that's the right move? I mean, I don't think so, but I also think like if it's going to be them drafting Davion Mitchell, I don't mind that move at all. <laughs> yeah, like, that's fair. Like, that's sort of how I feel, right? That's just so weird about, like, like the draft. It's something I feel like we started to get into when we were doing our group mock, which we've already recorded. It's coming out tomorrow when you guys hear this. But, like, we talked about, like, how are you playing value up into this? Well, in a vacuum, 10 to get off of, of, of Eric Bledsoe is far too much for me. But if that pick is, like, a Davion Mitchell or – even for me, if it's like James Booknight, then that makes sense. Trade back to 17 and get someone I'm higher on who's, you know, like a Trey Mann, who's sort of mocked more in that range. Uh, so so it's sort of an interesting question. Um, but in a vacuum, I think that's that's pretty bad value. But I, I don't hate it, again, if the pick is Davion Mitchell. Um, so that leaves us with, uh, at 11, it's going to be the Charlotte Hornets. Um, this might be some wish fulfillment. Um, but I'm going to take our boy Kai Jones. Um, right this big. this is where we want him. I don't know if he's going to go this high. I feel like he's been mocked all over. Um, but God, Kai Jones here, <laughs> it's an absolute dream come true. Um, it's it's everything we could ever want in everything. this world. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, Lamelo Ball and Kai Jones is just like there is no better match. There is no better match for two prospects. Um, yeah. 
we we went on this go back and listen to one of, I, I still think one of the episodes I, i'm happier with that we did of our key previews was the hornets uh with lee branscombe of witch carolina we talked a lot about how kai jones could make it could make sense as both a role player next to lamello and also their sort of best bet at a second star next to him because they won't be picking high in the lottery again with a player like Lamelo, with Gordon Hayward and stuff like that. So I think Kai Joseph makes a lot of sense. Um, it's definitely a pick I would make. And and I feel like he's been linked enough that there's some possibility. We're just going to have to see on draft night, but but that's the pick for me. Um, Stone, if you have any comments, go ahead. If not, uh, the Spurs are up next. Yeah, I think we've, we've pretty much covered it with the episode with Lee. So if you want to hear my thoughts and, and Bryce and Lee's and more in-depth um Go, go back and listen to that podcast because it was really good and we spent probably too much time on Kai Jones there but uh, yeah you, you can hear all our thoughts there so with the Spurs I, there's three names I have in my head right here for them that that seem to be one of these three guys I feel like is going to go there would be either Isaiah Jackson, um, Alperin Sengun, or Josh Giddy. those are sort of the three names uh, is there any other name for you Bryce that you think might be in play here? Those, those are the three names I had in mind as well. Yeah, so it's tough because I think best player available is, is Josh Giddy, um, and I think that would probably be the case for most NBA teams. Again, it's really hard for us to be in the head of those NBA teams, but I feel like Josh Giddy seems to be the, um, the most value there, but he's probably the worst fit of the three. Um, just because they have so much backcourt depth in, in San Antonio as it is. <sighs> this is tough. Um, I I am going to go, I think, with Josh Giddy here, um, just taking the best value for San Antonio and, and sort of worrying about fit later. Seems very much like a like a Popovich Spursy type of player, very slow, but ball mover, really good playmaker, just very much a Spursy type guy. Um, so I'm going to go with Giddy here, but I feel like it's sort of an equal chance between those three if, if Kai Jones were to be taking at 11. Yeah, I, I'm with you. Um, I think that's – they're in a tough spot. Um, I actually – I think it's going to be Sengun if Sengun is there. Um, I think Sengun is going to go at 11 or 12 in this draft. Um, I've, I've spoken up and written – oh, go ahead, Stone. I was just going to say, if, if anybody can make us look dumb with our singing takes, it would be the Spurs. So, Yeah, I'd agree with that. But I also think, like, that's still bad value play. Um, I've, I've said my piece on Sengun. I've written about it. Uh, not a player I'm a fan of, but I, I think that's around where he goes. Um, the Pacers are in an interesting spot here. Uh, there's a lot of names I could bring up, but I, I feel like, they want to win now more than we want them to. And with that in mind, I'm going to take Corey Kisper here. Um, Corey Kisper is just, he's, he's a, he's a good shooter. He's a solid off ball defender, a good ball mover can maybe attack and close out. If, if like everything goes right in his career, um, we'll just have to see with that. But uh, Corey Kisper, I think makes a lot of sense here. Um, sort of Indiana guy and I and I and I say that not entirely because he's a white guy but they they tend to value shooters they value size um so so I'm going to take Corey Kisper here this is a pick I, I've mocked for lines.com for the past I think two months now 
Um, I feel, not, and it's not even that they've been linked to him a whole lot necessarily. It just feels like the right sort of pick for them. Um, Doug McDermott is going to be probably leaving. I think he, he's his pay range is more than uh, Indiana offers. Um, and, and Kispert sort of fills that role for them. So it, it makes a lot of sense here for them. And I think if I had to put money on, on one guy, I think it would be Corey Kispert. But um, I wouldn't necessarily feel comfortable putting money there. Um, that said, man, this is this is really tough for the Warriors. Um, I know Woj came out and said, like, if that the Warriors would try and move both 7 and 14 for Beal if you were made available, um, which, you know, who knows if that happens. But if not, it sounds like they keep both of those picks. According to Woj, again, this is a couple of days out from the draft, so a lot can change. Um, so, man, if they keep this pick, there's, there's a lot of directions they could go. And someone who's risen, it seems like, over the past, again, like two weeks or so, I'm going to go with Chris Duarte here. Um, <clears throat> he's somebody that I know you and me probably wouldn't take this high, but it seems like, um, I mean, since this is a predictive mock, I think I think he's a very much a Warriors-type guy that they would look at, somebody who uh, keeps the ball moving, shooter, um, can play adequate defense, in a, especially in a team scheme. Um, so, yeah, this seems like the Warriors pick at 14 if they if they stay here. Um, not necessarily the pick I would make, uh, but he, he seems like he's risen a lot. Um, and this is sort of the beginning of the range, I think, for him and, and where I would take him or where they would take him. So, yeah, Duarte there, I think it leaves the Wizards reeling because I, I think they really, really want Duarte. Um, and without him, it sort of leaves me thinking between two different guys. Um, and they're two very different players with, with, that would represent very different things for the Wizards. And that's Trey Murphy III and Jalen Johnson. Um, I think they really want Chris Duarte because they want a ready player. Uh, Chris Duarte, of course, as we know, 24 is maybe the most ready player like to just like step in and play a, a small usage role. Um, but I'm going to go, I'm going to go with Trey Murphy, the third for the wizards. I think he will immediately be a good shooter. He's a good athlete at six, nine. I love Trey Murphy. I think this is a, actually a good pick, even though I think the wizards are kind of making it for the wrong reason. Um, so I'm, I'm going to take Trey Murphy, the third here. Um, he'll step in and immediately probably be their their starting small forward, um, which is, you know, it, is probably makes for a good pick with the 15th overall pick. Um, like I said, Jalen Johnson was the other guy I had in mind, but he is so far away. Like he might be the biggest pure project in this class. Um, at least it's like sort of mocked highly. So I feel like they're going to stray away from that and instead go Tramer for the third, um, stone. Yeah. Um, I would agree with the reasoning behind the pick as to why they'd make it. Um, not necessarily agreeing with the pick in terms of what I would do, but um, it seems like a pretty good um, rationale behind it uh, in terms of what the Wizards may think. Um, that said, man, the Thunder, they could go with Jalen Johnson that you left. I feel like that's very much a Thundery type guy. Um, I'm actually going to go with Alperin Sangoon here. Um, I know you and me are much lower on him, but in come draft night, I, I think he goes um, for sure before 20. 
where that is. I'm not necessarily sure. Um, but he, he's someone that um, I know Yosef brought on or brought up a lot that the Thunder might be interested in. Um, he's, you know, he fills the center hole, I guess, um, in theory that they have. Uh, so, yeah, I, I'm going to go with Singin here. I'm not loving the pick, but um, I think, you know, he's going to take at least eat some minutes there for them. So uh, that, that's who I'm going to go with. Yeah, and I, I, I'm with you where I think this is the pick. And there is some sense to be made here because like he would immediately at least get some usage he's he'd probably be their starting center uh, after they dealt Al Horford and Moses Brown um you know they've been linked to some they've been linked heavily to Sengun it seems Sam Presti likes some overseas guys so I think that makes a lot of sense um so the Grizzlies here are at a really interesting spot uh their draft Twitter the team and to me there's two places they can go with this I mean I think whoever they don't take uh, my guess is they're going to go at the next the, at the next pick. Um, so I'm thinking it's between Zaire Williams and Jalen Johnson. Um, both those guys sort of represent projects, which I think is is actually kind of what the Grizzlies want. They already have a lot of like players who they have like 12 players who are legit NBA rotation players on their team already. Um, it's just sort of about maybe taking a guy who could potentially have some upside um, out of those two. I think the pick is going to be Zaire Williams. Um, that could bite me in the butt because it's it's I to me it's almost 50-50 if both those guys are on the board. Um, but I think Zaire is I think they'll see him as the better potential fit next to John Morant, and that's why they'll go uh with him. Um almost 6'10, a really good shot maker, really good shooter, uh, just needs a lot of work. Um, but the Grizzlies are a team that could allow him that. To work in the G League and then eventually start to work his NBA minutes up. And there's no one better to set up like really good shooters than than uh John Morant. So that that's where I'm feeling with that. Yeah, I would say out of those two, that's probably the pick. Um, because I I think with Jalen Johnson, there's other guys who have sort of, I guess, um I wouldn't say skill set, but I guess same role maybe um in like a Brandon Clark. Uh, even as Xavier Tillman, where I think Zaire, there's nobody they have that really does what he does. Um, not that Brandon Clark and and Xavier necessarily do what what Jalen Johnson does, um, but I guess there's just less overlap, I would say, with with anybody on the roster with with Zaire. Um, so that makes sense. With the Thunder, <clears throat> I know it should be a foregone conclusion that they take Jalen Johnson, but. I think the other Johnson, Keon Johnson, is still available. And I really struggle to see how he falls past 18 here. Um, very much a thundery guy, uber athletic guard, um, super strong. So that's who I'm going to go with here. Um, but, yeah, they could go with either of the Johnsons here because they're, they're both really um, <laughs> just seem like thundery type players. Yeah, I – you know, I probably overlooked that Keon Johnson was available. I honestly, I honestly, he probably won't even get this far, but he could like, as we're doing this, I'm sort of realizing that there are quite a few picks that make sense in different areas. It just, someone's going to slip. Someone's yeah. going to slip. And, and I think Keon is, is a solid bet at that. Um, he, Keon very easily could have gone there at 17. Um, and he probably could have gone at 15 too. 
But above that, I'm really struggling to see like maybe like 12 to the Spurs he could have gone. But I, I think the Pacers, the Warriors, and Wizards are all fairly set on taking NBA-ready players. Um, like you mentioned with the Thunder, Alperin Sengun seems pretty heavily linked. Maybe like 16 and 18 could flip, but I, I'm with you where I, I think that makes a lot of sense. Uh, Keon would also have been super redundant with uh, all, all the the Grizzlies glut of two guards. So you're right. I, and I, as, go ahead. As we as we were speaking about the Thunder, I just actually got a notification on my phone that Jonathan Gavoni is reporting that trying to move into the top five. Uh, so we talked about that earlier. Um, and I think one of these 16 or 18 picks would be um, alongside number six to try and move up to that. So we'll see what happens. It sounds like they really like Evan Mobley, um, which, man, we could spend a whole podcast talking about that fit. But, um, yeah, if they try to get Evan Mobley, it's going to take one of, or if not both, 16 and 18 to move in there. Yeah, I think we're on the same page there. Um, so Stone got to pick everything for the Thunder, and I kind of want to circle back to, to your draft. So James Booknight, Alperin Shingoon, and Keon Johnson is is the Thunder's full draft um i think that's that's a very realistic draft for them and it's a draft i would absolutely hate like like if this if this really happens i it, it might get a straight f from me um are you on the same page is there any like do you like it more than me um and obviously this isn't passing judgment on you we're just trying to pick what we think i mean the wizards would be or the warriors would be getting an f here too probably um so how, how are you feeling about that total draft for the thunder um the only pick i like is <laughs> james book and i don't love it that high either he's somebody that's risen definitely on my board over the past couple weeks I've, I've grown to like him more than i have in the past uh but <laughs> that high seems just entirely like a wasted pick for me in terms of who else is available there um yeah it's it's not great um <laughs> I do like Jalen Johnson, or sorry, um, James Booknight in in Oklahoma City, and I think there is avenues for him to reach his high end outcome there. But uh, like between Sangoon and Keon Johnson, those are just not good picks in my opinion. Um, and again, that, that just is too high for me um, for Booknight. So I don't love the draft at all, but Booknight would be the only thing preventing me from giving him an F here. Yeah. And even for me, like I like book night a little bit. I think I have him like 22nd on my board and outside of the lottery tier. So six to me is just, is just pretty awful value. I'd actually probably like Keon Johnson the best there. That's the only pick that's like within the tier because I have a tier that goes 16 to 32. Um, and he's like 30 on my board. So still a little rich for my blood, but he's at least sort of within the tier. Um, there's been some interesting fallers. Uh, we'll, we'll wait to dive too in-depth into it, but there, there's a lot of interesting stuff going on as we do this. Um, so I'm up with the Knicks. The Knicks could go a lot of different places with this. I think I think they're going to want to guard. Um, some guys have fallen a little bit, but there just isn't a name that's really screaming out to me here. Um, there's definitely one that's screaming out to me, but we'll see if you make it. Interesting. The one that's that, that makes the most sense to me is actually a big, um, and, and he sort of has that Kentucky lineage that we know they like, um, and that's Isaiah Jackson. Isaiah Jackson. Um, Isaiah is a perfectly fine defensive big who who could potentially be a good rim runner. 
I think this is very, very high for him. Um, but I, I sort of under would understand the thinking behind it. Uh, but again, it's just, it's not a pick I particularly love, but I, he's, he's been tied there and there is a lot of love out there for, for Isaiah Jackson, especially in Nick's land where it just seems like they have, have a real love for, for Kentucky players. So, uh, Isaiah Jackson there, was that the pick you were thinking stone or, or who else? It's not like you're not. It was not, but we'll see if you make it with the with the twenty first pick. Um, I'll leave it. I'll still leave it out there for you. Um, yeah, Jackson. Like I would put good money on him either going to the Hornets, the Spurs, the Thunder, the Knicks, or the Rockets. One of those five teams he's going to go to on draft night. Like I don't really see any other scenario that he doesn't go to one of those teams. Um, and if he were to fall past those three, then I feel pretty good about him going to the Knicks. Um, with the Hawks, man, they're they're a team we talked about with um, Andrew Kelly on on one of our last team team uh, podcasts, and they they could go like twenty different names we threw out there. Like, there's so many guys for the Hawks at number twenty, and it's just really tough to narrow it down. Um, yeah, this is extremely tough. I am going to go with, uh, man, I'm going to go with somebody who seems to be a bit of a late riser in Josh Primo. Um, he seems to be somebody that teams, um, I know was reported like teams in the lottery or uh, in the teens, excuse me, have been working him out. Um, he seems to fit pretty well alongside Trey Young. Um so that's who I'm going to go with. I don't feel confident in it. There's tons of different, um, seems like two guards that have been in the mix here for them. Uh, and Josh Primo is certainly one of them. So I guess that's who I'll go with. Um, but I'm not super confident in it. Interesting. I, I like, I, I think that makes a lot of sense. Primo has been st- like starting to jump super high up. And I don't hate that pick. I, I, I don't understand like, like the giant rise he's made to be honest um but like i do have him in a tier around this area so i don't hate that pick um i want to point out there's one faller to me that that's particularly notable um and that is um i i I cannot believe uzman group is still on the board but at the same time i don't know where he would go um like we're at a point in the draft where it's like i I, can't believe it actually i think Draft Twitter is much higher on him than than the NBA. Um, he's someone that he's going to make a lot of draft Twitter look really smart because I think he is going to go much lower than uh, where you and I and, and a lot of people would take him. And not even necessarily like um, I know a lot of us have him, you know, maybe top 15 or something. And and people think 15 to 20 like would be good value. But I think there's like 20 through like 30. There's a chance he falls into there. Um, and not necessarily saying that's the right move the NBA team should make, but I think there's definitely a chance that he goes uh, much lower than where draft Twitter has him, and, and that could be in the back end of the first round, honestly. Yeah, and, and I find that to be almost, like, completely insane, but but I, I buy it a little bit. Like, this is – we're at a point where – and, and exercises like this are always interesting to me because – 
it's not something I do often. It's not something I really think about consciously. And then I do this and I'm realizing like, where does like someone like that, like, like I probably could have taken him ahead of Zaire at 17 or, or maybe could have gone with one of the thunder picks, but I'm not seeing like an obvious, like, Oh, Garuba would have made the most sense there. And because he didn't get picked, like that's why he's sliding. But now we're at a spot where, I mean, I just took Isaiah Jackson. He doesn't make any sense here with the Knicks. Uh, the Lakers, he doesn't really make a ton of sense with the Rockets, maybe, but I could also see the Rockets wanting to take higher upside. Like, we're just at a point where, uh, like, the free fall could very well be real and just just a guy who, who's sliding, like, like uncontrollably. Um, so I'm up with the Knicks here at 21. Uh, I mentioned guard. Sharif Cooper is really jumping out at me, and that's someone who I think the Knicks Nick that's, that's who I was – was my guy that stood out to me at yeah. pick 19. That's someone who I think Knicks fans would love but I actually don't think it's the pick they're going to make. Um, I think Sharif Cooper's stock is, is a little lower than this. Um, I think there's some other guards who, who are, who are going to go higher. Um, it, it's tough, but I, I'm going to go with Trey Mann. Um, I think that he, while I think Sharif Cooper actually, even though I love Trey Mann a lot, lot more, and I think he's the better pick, I think Sharif Cooper actually like purely on a fit basis, like does make more sense here. But I think his stock is a little lower. I think we're going to see Sharif Cooper slip a, a lot from where a lot of draft Twitter has him because I've seen him as high as four on some boards, but even more so like even from where a lot of them think is a more realistic range for him um, because I just like the NBA does not value five eleven guys. I feel like it's just like Trey Mann is a very skinny, very frail six, three, but he's six, three. And like the NBA sees that that six, in front of in front of whatever number and they think that matters a lot more uh that's a part of like that's why a part of me thinks like davion mitchell might fall um is because like he's six oh but shreve cooper especially like i think is so small uh and, and without with being that small and maybe not being able to shoot uh, it, it is a tough sell for a lot of teams um i know that's probably not going to be like like what knicks fans want i know they want shreve cooper but I think Trey Mann is going to be the pick here. Yeah, um, I would say there's three names there, uh, and Trey Mann's definitely one of them. And I feel like <clears throat> 19 through 25 is like the exact range I would pin down for Sharif Cooper. That uh, I, I feel really good about him going in that range and somebody getting really good value. Um, with that said, man, the Lakers are – I feel like we're saying this about every pick, but there's so many guys like in this range that can really go any which way for these teams. Um, yeah, it's tough. Uh, I'm I'm going to do it. I know people are going to think it's me wishfully thinking here, um, <laughs> but he went he for whatever it's worth. He went to the Lakers in the, in the Woj pod or the, uh, the Woj special for the draft special um, at 22. So I'm going to go Jared Butler. He does make a lot of sense for the Lakers. Like as much as, you know, I'm, I try and push my Jared Butler propaganda and as much as I am a Laker fan, like it, it's not, I feel like it's not me just wishfully thinking, like it does make a lot of sense. I think um, he's somebody that can come in, contribute from day one, which is I think what the Lakers would be looking for if they're, they're making this pick. Um, you know, he, he, kind of fills a lot of holes for them um especially as a guard so I, I feel like this is a, 
it, there's a lot of rationale behind it. Um, and it's not just me <laughs> trying to fulfill my wish list. So that's who I'm going to go with at 22. Just know I would not blame you for wanting to fulfill your wish list here. Um, but I think, I think Jared Butler makes so much sense for the Lakers. I think he's everything they could want from a guard. Um, I, I think he could immediately step in and fill the Dennis Schroeder role if, if Schroeder leaves. He's he's, he's obviously gone. He's yeah, gone. I, I don't ever bet on any player being as good as an NBA player, especially one at 22. But in terms of just filling the role, like he is already a better off ball player than Dennis Schroeder ever was. He doesn't generate the rim pressure of Schroeder, but uh, I love I, I love that pick. I would immediately be pointing to that as maybe the best pick in the draft. Um, even though like like this is around the range I have Jared Butler. I, I'm not like uber high on him like you, Stone, but uh, w- with the Lakers specific needs, like uh, it's a perfect pick in my opinion. Um, so the Rockets here have two picks. Um, and for me, I'm going to say, so I can only make one of these picks, but I think this is going to be the pairing of the Auburn players. Um, and so I'm going to take one of those and that is Man. Sharif Cooper. Um Sharif Cooper is uh, like like a lightning bolt of a player in a lot of ways where he has so many interesting skills and just a lot of heavy, heavy deficiencies. He is an elite, elite, elite passer. I would argue the second best in the class behind Josh Giddy in terms of just pure passing and vision, vocabulary, like everything about his passing is elite. He creates advantages. He gets to the rim, but he's 5'11", and he's a really bad shooter right now. Um, those are two heavy drawbacks, but at 23, um, it, 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 it's perfect value for a team like the rocks where you can get a lot of usage and, and really learn. Um, he'll probably play behind John wall, but what's interesting is you would immediately have two of the best young advantage creators in the NBA. In my opinion, Sharif Cooper gets to the rim at will and Kevin Porter jr. Just does whatever he wants on a basketball floor. Sometimes it really feels like that. Um, the difference is that I feel like Sharif is like elite at like, making those advantages and converting them, whether it be getting to the line or passing to others. And KPJ has the jump shot and, and is more wired to score, but he's not quite a good, as good at like actually converting those consistently, whether it be for himself or others. Um, it's interesting. It's an interesting pick here, but I really like Shreve Cooper here. Um, I'll be interested to see if, if Stone follows my lead or if he makes a different pick here at 24. Man. Um... I think I am going to follow your lead and there, there's three guys really in the mix here for me. Um, I'll, I'll tell you the two other names for me would be, um, or there's three, actually three other names, Bones Highland, um, Cam Thomas and Josh Christopher. So the three other names I was floating around, but the fact that they took Sharif Cooper and, and Jalen Green already makes me um, sort of question whether they'd take three guards in the first round. And they already have Kevin Porter Jr. as well. It just seems like you're really crowding your backcourt there. So I'm going to go JT Thor. I think he is somebody that has been linked to the Rockets um, throughout this draft cycle. I think he was might have been their first workout too, um, and his first workout, uh, vice versa, actually as well. Um, he seems like the sort of upside play that they want to take. Um, they're on this really young timeline might as well swing for the fences and get two of the highest upside swings, <laughs> no pun intended, with these two picks here in the first round. Um, and, and guys who already have chemistry together as they played at Auburn this season. So I'm going to go JT Thor here. Um, the other names I floated out could be a possibility. 
um, with one of those two picks. Um, but I'm going to go JT Thor just because I don't want to crowd their, overcrowd their backcourt. Yeah, you know, and I'll be honest with them picking JT Thor, it makes me really upset that uh, they didn't take Evan Mobley because the potential defense of Evan Mobley and JT Thor together at the four and the five is just, um, it's a basketball nerd's dream. Um, much less with with the constant advantage creation of Sharif Cooper and Kevin Porter Jr. I mean, they like the Rockets would be the team. Like I would be calling Cooper every day, just saying, "Hey, like, do you want to watch this game together? Like, let's zoom, watch this game. Like, let's just do it." Um, he would. I'd be, move in with Cooper just so I can live in his. Yeah, just yeah, just catch as many games as possible. Uh, they would be uh, the best league pass team. Jalen Green is good too, but uh, it's it's a little less fun. I mean, like like it's a little less fun. Um, so the Clippers here. Uh, this is where we're finally going to stop the Usman Garuba slide. Um. I think they really, really want Sharif Cooper, if I'm being completely honest. I think that is, like, like if he's there, I think he goes at 25. I'm not only see a perfect fit, but I I just, yeah, he's just a perfect fit. I mean, he does he does what they want. Um, but I I think they're at a point where they might just take the best player available. I doubt Usman Guru plays for them at all his, his rookie year, to be completely honest. Um, but if he did, he he could be a switching center um, who can who can pass a little bit. Uh, if you can develop his shot, he, he, he can be a very good player. Um, interesting that he fell this far. And I don't love that making this pick for the Clippers, but I just think they're at the point where they're like, well, how this guy's still on the board and he's clearly the best value. So uh, that, that's the pick there. Yeah, I think that pick makes a lot of sense. Um, and for people listening that are going to, I already know people are going to be like, you know, how did he fall this far? Like, I don't think he's going to fall this far on draft night. And while that may be the case, somebody is um somebody that you know especially draft twitter is higher on is gonna fall much lower than we expect that's just the way it is every draft cycle um somebody who should be going top 20 or that we think is going top 20 uh is gonna go much later um and in this case it happens to be Usman garuba on draft night it may not be the case it might be somebody else's name um but it's gonna be somebody so so in this case it was it was garuba um, with the Nuggets, uh, I'm going to fulfill, um, you know, fan favorite and uh, our favorite, one of our favorites, uh, CT Fazio on Twitter, his, uh, his dream, and I'm going to go Josh Christopher here. Um, I think he makes a lot of sense for the Nuggets, a big guard who um, can create his own shot, can, you know, play some guard defense that they so desperately lacked in, in the playoffs this year. Um, so he's somebody who fills fills needs um, for them. Not sure exactly how many minutes he'll get his rookie year, especially with Dozier coming back from injury, uh, sort of filling the same role. But um, uh, yeah, that's who I'm going to go with here for for the Nuggets at 26. Yeah, I think that pick makes a lot of sense. Um, there's one player still on the board who uh, it, it, I I can't believe he's still there, but. He's, he's been mocked as low as 30. So, um, and, and I'm, I'm not going to take him here. So you sort of, you know, reap what you sow, I guess. Um, there's there's three guys that should be going in the next four picks. I think that I would be actually there's four. Um, so <laughs> of these next four picks, these I think will be the next four players. Um, but again, anyone could slide. So we'll see. Yeah. So, so the Nets are up here at 27. Uh, they're a team that I thought 
I think if they can, they'll probably try and get Usman Garuba. Uh, they have like four second round picks. They can probably move up. Like, like if they really want Usman and the Clippers are more like iffy on him, like I think they could probably move up to 25 or maybe even 24, uh, whatever it may be. Um, I, I, I could really see them wanting Usman. Um, but I think they're going to take the next best thing. And that's Jeremiah Robinson Earl. Um, Jeremiah Robinson Earl is, uh, just really good at basketball. Like he just, he kind of does it, whatever you want from like a forward center. He makes a lot of sense with this roster. Uh, I, I could see him getting some early minutes because they're a team that's so desperate for depth outside of their stars. Um, that if he, if he can be the defender, he, he looks like he could be that he, he could play early. Um, so, so yeah, Jeremiah Robinson Earl, I don't have a ton to say. Um, just, he, he can be a connecting passer, which is what they need switchable defender, which is what they need. Um, and, and if he can space that, then he's going to be getting playoff minutes next six Nick Claxton, as far as I'm concerned. So. Yeah. Um, I won't spend too much time. I, I love this pick makes a lot of sense. I love Jeremy Robinson Earl. Um, so we'll just move on. That said, well, I am surprised because that now means one of these four guards is no longer going to be first round which very well could be the case on draft night. Um, but I'm interested to see. There's a lot of these sort of uh, combo guards, it seems like, within the 20 to 30 range. Um, and one or two of them is going to slip draft night. Like, one, they just have to. It's going to be the way that the cookie crumbles. So I'm interested to see which one it is. Um, with the 76ers, I, I'm going to go Cam Thomas here. Um, and, you know, he... They need somebody who can who can space the floor, create hit their own shot. He's not going to be a great playmaker. It really comes down to what are they doing with Ben Simmons, I think. Um, you know, and I think – I don't think they wanted to trade Ben Simmons in order to make this draft make sense for them. Like, I, don't, I think that's just the wrong way to go about it. Like, you, you don't want to, um, you know, try and force a trade just so that you can – better your roster with the 28th pick and, and for fit purposes like this just doesn't make sense to me um so i'm gonna go cam thomas here who you know if they move on from ben simmons is still somebody who is gonna be a, a guard that creates their own shot they just don't have that right now outside of ben simmons which he even struggles himself to create his own shot at times um and can play off of ben simmons so i i think it makes a lot of sense uh, again there's a few other combo guards sort of in this uh, range that are still available. So we'll see with the next two picks, what happens with those. Yeah. So I'm just going to, I'm just going to say the names uh, that I think we're all on the same page on. Uh, it's Jaden Springer, Nashawn Highland and Deuce McBride. Um, yeah. uh, one of those guys, I, I honestly think that if we were to, if we were to do this where we were picking at 31 with the bucks, those would be the next three picks. Um, that's, that's just how I'm feeling. I thought about Cam Thomas a lot higher, um, but it's just sort of the way the board falls. Like, I don't know where he goes on draft night. It's, it's really interesting. Uh, I'm going to take Deuce McBride here, Miles Deuce McBride. Um, I'll admit some of that might be a part of me wanting who I, who I think Stone is going to take at 30. I wanting him on the jazz. Um, but in all seriousness, I mean, we talked, I talked with, uh, Davis, we did that earlier today. Uh, but it'll have come out uh, a day before this one, I think, um, where we talked about how Deuce just makes perfect sense with this roster. Um, they're probably going to lose campaign. 
You want someone who can step up and probably immediately play some backup or third string point guard minutes. Um, you know, he's probably gonna have to fight maybe like a Javon Carter, or if they sign someone else with a minimum, probably gonna have to fight them for those backup point guard minutes. But Miles is a lot closer to ready to being like a backup point guard than the other two, I think. Um, I think Nashawn is a lot more of like a pure combo guard, scorer type. And Jaden Springer, I think, could develop into a point guard, but you're asking a lot of him to do that this early in his career. Um, I just think that it makes a lot more sense to take someone like Deuce and, and kind of figure it out. Um, so that, that's how I'm feeling there. Yeah, um, and I'm sure you, I actually missed that podcast, but I'm sure you guys killed it. And I'm sure you also talked about Chris Paul because if Chris Paul leaves, I think of the the few other players here, Miles McBride makes the most sense to soak up a lot of those minutes. Um, so I like to pick a lot there. For the Jazz, um, I know you really want your boy Jaden Springer there at 30. Um and that's what I'm going to do. I think uh, not not to make you happy because um, you totally screwed me with the Kai picks the last couple mock drafts that we've done. But uh, I think Jaden Springer is what they're looking for in terms of an athletic sort of wing guard guy who can um, play off of both Donovan Mitchell and Mike Conley, depending on what happens with him. Um, he, he gives them somebody who gives them some defense on the perimeter, which is like what they've really struggled with. Um, so it makes a lot of sense here. Again, they could go with Bones Highland. I wouldn't hate that pick either for them. Um, I'm, I just think uh, I buy Jaden Springer's defense more honestly, and that's sort of the deciding factor. Um, so that's, that's where I'm going to go with. Yeah, I, I love Springer there. Um, I, I can't say it enough. Um, I want to hit on some guys who – we have high on that fell out of the first round or that we're high on that fell out of the first round. Um, the big one for me is Kessler Edwards. Uh, I have him as a lottery player. Fell out the first yeah, I'm going to talk to him. But he's probably going to go in the second. Yeah. Like, I, like, I think he could have made some sense um, as early as like 26, maybe, maybe 25. Uh, I feel like Usman Garuba is like the last guy we picked that I'm like pretty confident he's going in the first round. Um, and then, Christopher, Robinson, Earl, Thomas, McBride, Springer, all those guys I could see falling to the second round. And then maybe even like I a feel, JD or Josh Primo could fall too. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, I feel confident that, that Cam Thomas actually is going to go first round. I, would, I feel more confident about Cam Thomas going first round than I do Jared Butler going first round, I would say. I think that's fair. I actually probably, yeah, I, I would probably agree with you. Um, Cam Thomas is one of the guys who, who probably went lower on this than he probably will in real life because – we don't do trades and I could see like a trade happening for him to go. I feel like he's, he's bound to go more in like the 20 to 25 range. Um, but I, I, with the way with us not doing trades, I, I think uh, falling to 28 is fine, but yeah, I mean, Kessler Edwards fell like, but again, that's probably a more realistic range for him, but I have him as a clear first rounder. Uh, we talked about bones falling. I would imagine if Bones doesn't go in the first round, he goes 31. Would, would do, you, do you kind of agree with me there? Like, if we were to mock it out, do you think he goes to the Bucks? Uh, yes, but also no. If if he's not the only one of these sort of combo guards to fall out of the first round, if 
let's say him and both Deuce are there, I think there's a chance they take Deuce. Um, but if he's sort of the only one of this sort of like like combo guard sort of role, and there's you know eight of these guys in this draft or so in like the twenty to thirty range, there's a lot. Um, and if he's sort of the only one that falls out, uh, I I think it's pretty good guarantee that they take him at thirty one. Yeah, I I think that's fair. That, that's a good point to make. It's that he could not be the only person uh, here. Um, were there any names that other names that sort of fell out that, that maybe surprise you? Like I have two other guys that didn't get drafted that I have first round grades on or didn't get drafted in this first round. That's Matt Mitchell and David Johnson, but I don't expect them to be first round picks in this draft uh, really at all. Um, were there any names that, that sort of surprised you that you like expect to be first round picks that, that uh, fell to the second? You're muted stuff. <laughs> yeah. Um, I have actually some other guys that I also have first round grades on, but I just don't expect to go first round. Like it's, um, it's me liking them a lot more than where they're actually are going to go. Uh, yeah, I think Io Desumu is a guy who could be in the mix in the late first. Um, we'll see what happens. His, his sort of range to me feels like anywhere between like 25 and 45. He's one of those guys that's got a massive draft range. Um, and then back in the first, I could see him squeezing in there. Um, <clears throat> I think maybe maybe uh joe wieskamp slides into the first after his um combine and you know depending on how his private workouts have gone um he's somebody that i feel like teams could easily get enamored with just with his shooting and stuff like that um when shooting in an empty gym we've seen it before teams really seem to value that for whatever reason um <clears throat> the wieskamp could be really good at it so uh what we'd see there uh, and then the last guy I'll throw out there who seems to be like a really late riser also could have like this Wieskamp effect of just being a really good shooter would be Quentin Grimes, um, who he seems to, at least over like the past couple of weeks, have risen. I, I think most a lot of it is due to his combine performances. He had some two really big games during the combine. Um, so he's somebody else so I could see kind of squeezing himself late into that first um, and I would say as much as I love him, Jeremiah Robinson Earl is probably the most unlikely of the group, I would say, to go first round. Um, you know, and that's not any sort of like knock on you. I just think of all the names we've taken, that's probably the guy that has the, the highest percentage of going second round than any of the other guys that we have talked about. Uh, I did want to ask you, what's, who's a guy that you think we took in this first round that we took higher a lot higher than maybe you would expect on draft night and somebody you think we took a lot lower that will go on draft night so the lower for me is really easy i think it's cam thomas um like i mentioned i think cam thomas could go uh, honestly cam thomas could be like a sneaky lottery pick if like or garuba yeah yeah i'll say that but i also think like i'm with you like you were talking about how like garuba you could see him falling like into the 20s like and once you're into the 20s it's like do the Rockets want Garuba? I mean, Garuba's not old, but he doesn't yeah. scream upside, right? Like, so it's just sort of... Once you get to the 20s, I feel like it's kind of a different animal. It's like, once you get to the 20s, what's the difference between 22 and 29? Like, yeah. in terms of a guy's draft range. So there's a lot of variance there, I think. Absolutely. And and I think an important note is like, I mean, think, think of like the 20s last year, right? Like, 
how many people had Emmanuel quickly and Peyton Pritchard ahead of Malachi Flynn? I would say not a lot. And both went ahead of Malachi Flynn are either bad picks. I don't know. I'll, I'll be honest. I still don't really have a lot of belief in Peyton Pritchard. Um, Emmanuel Cook surprised a lot of people. I mean, I don't know of anyone who like liked that draft pick, honestly, aside from our boy Lee Branscombe, who had who had IQ as a top 30 player, but I had him like in my 60s, I think. Like I was not high on Emmanuel quickly. Um, and he he's already looked the part of at least an NBA player. Uh, so there's always that to be said. I feel like Trey Mann at 21 is maybe a bit low. But I don't know. Like I, his, he's one of those players who has a really wide range. Um, I, I considered him as high as 13 to the Pacers, um, but I, I didn't see Corey Kispert falling past that. So, are there any names that stick out to you uh, with that same question? Um, it, it is a tough question, and I never should have thought about it before I said it because now I have to answer it. Um, I would say. Keon Johnson, I could, I think, might has a good chance of not falling this far. He's somebody I think that um, maybe we overlooked and has a decent shot of going to lottery on draft night. Um, <clears throat> another player I would say, maybe um, Kai Jones too. He he's somebody it seems to have a really high draft range. Like I know we, really, I think his draft range starts at eleven. Um, and obviously that's the ideal sort of pick I think that we want um, and it very well could happen but I think his draft range goes from like 11 to like honestly like 24 like he could go all the way down to the the Rockets picks there um, and I wouldn't be shocked so he, he's somebody with a big variance that I think could go much lower than where we we picked him today yeah I think we're on we're on the same page there um, that's definitely I would agree like I think his range starts at, at 10, to be honest, um, with the Pelicans or maybe not the Pelicans. Um, but yeah, he's someone who he's so I don't think he gets past 19. I think if he's at 19, the Knicks will take him um, for some reason. They really I feel like they really want to make both him and Isaiah Jackson are on the board. Who do you think they would take? Probably Isaiah Jackson. Um, but I'm guessing if. My thought is if Kai Jones gets to 19, that means Isaiah Jackson's gone because that means the Thunder chose Isaiah Jackson over Kai. That's how I see it. And I could be very wrong there, but that, and that's with any of that. We should know, like we could each get like two picks, right? Like for all we know, I mean, Cade Cunningham, I, I'm pretty confident in, but you know, really past that, like Evan Mobley. Yeah. But it could be Jalen Green at three instead of Evan Mobley. And it could be Kaminga instead of Barnes at five. You know, I think we each have one pick we're really confident in. Like it's Cade and Jalen Suggs. Don't do you kind of agree with that? Yeah. Um, even Jalen Suggs, honestly, it's because if they trade out of that pick, mostly, um, there's so much variance in this draft, man. I mean, I thought for sure, like the top five were set in stone, no pun intended, after the the draft lottery, and it's completely like blown up in my face. Like there's there's really no pick I feel 100% confident in outside of Cade. Um, and even then, I feel like 95% confident in that pick. Like, I, I feel like there's a tiny, tiny little sliver of doubt they may either trade it or, or take somebody else. But, um, I mean, I, I feel generally, like, really confident about it. So, 
Yeah, man, it's it's crazy. There's so many directions that so many of these teams could go. Um, so many trades up and down uh, in terms of moving up and down on draft night that could happen. So it's going to be a lot of fun. And I think this exercise really proved that point that that so many guys have so many different ranges. Um, and it's really difficult to pin this down. So we'll see what happens. Um, but yeah, I, I had a lot of fun doing this. Yeah, this was a blast. And, and it's important to note that like our goal here is, is not necessarily to be right, but more to kind of like, I don't know. It's, I don't even necessarily know what the point is, I guess. It's not really to be right. I, I don't. It's, go ahead. We, we made one big mistake. Which was what? Do, do you know what it is? Scroll down a little bit. No, no, I don't. I don't think we took Jalen Johnson. No. Oh, <laughs> oh my God. Oh, it's because I was so sure you would have taken him with the Thunder at 18 that I just like wrote him oh, up. My... Okay. Well, I should say that. Well, he... you know what? An interesting insight. Here's how I think that changes the board. So I think it, if I had been thinking, Jalen Johnson probably goes at 23 to the Rockets. Do you then take Sharif Cooper at 24 or do you stay with JT Thor? Yeah. Um, okay. I'll, I'll give a couple thoughts here real quick. I think Jalen Johnson to the Knicks or Hawks have a good possibility of happening. If you were, I, 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 like I said, at 18, I was torn between the Johnsons and I went with Keon between um between 19 and 24, I think would be his likely range if that were to happen. Um, I probably still would have taken a, like a combo guard for the Hawks there. With the Knicks, I could definitely see them taking one. I don't see the Lakers taking Jalen Johnson. Um, and then for the Rockets, I would say I would take Jalen Johnson over JT Thor. I think um, NBA teams probably see Jalen Johnson as having just more value overall than JT Thor maybe a higher upside even. Um, and that might be debatable for a lot of draft Twitter, but in terms of how NBA teams think, I think they might view Jalen Johnson of having a higher upside. Um, so I would, I would definitely take him over JT Thor at, at 24 if he were still there. Yeah. I probably would have taken him at 23. Uh, so, so do you think it's still Sharif Cooper uh, with the raw? It's Sharif Cooper and Jalen Johnson then. Yeah, correct. And then I think um, JT Thor, maybe he falls to the Nets there. Um, My thought maybe, was I, maybe the Nuggets. I was going to say that. I would take him probably with the Nuggets and then bump down Josh Christopher to the Nets. And I guess Jeremiah Robinson falls out of the first round. So that's probably that's an oversight by us. <laughs> um, but, you know, uh, I, I think, yeah, it's probably – um, 19 through 20, 24 would be his range if he fell past the Thunder with both of those picks. Yeah, it is an oversight, but it's also like an important note is that like shit just happens sometimes in the draft. I mean, like there's that famous story of like, like the Hawks didn't plan on taking John Collins. It just sort of like he fell to them. Imagine if they sort of like got caught up in the moment and just stuck with their board and he had fallen even farther and then someone else was out of the first round. Like sometimes stuff just happens. Um, I, I'm with you. Like I, there's all, there's honestly probably like a 10% chance that Jalen Johnson isn't taken within the top 30. Um, but there are like, if he gets to a certain point, like some teams just won't take it. Like there's no way he's a Laker. I don't think. Um, 
Yeah, I would say I would bet against it. Maybe the Nets would take him, like just as like I think uh, they would. I think I they think, would. Yeah, and I, and I definitely think the Nuggets would take him because the Nuggets just kind of like they're famous for just taking like a guy who falls too far for them. I mean, I think the Clippers even would, um, from much of the same reasons that you mentioned, why they would take Garuba too. Yeah, I think that's fair, but I, I think they would take Garuba over Jalen Johnson. Um, I just uh, think- I, I actually would disagree with that there. I think I think Jalen Johnson, I, I see him as somebody that NBA teams are going to be really high on actually in terms of um, as a value guy if he drops this far. Like I think I think with Garuba, this is sort of the range people or NBA teams might expect him to go. But if Jalen Johnson fell past the Thunder, I think teams after that are viewing him sort of as a, a value pick whenever they get him. You might be right about that, and and I suppose we'll see. Uh, and that is our oversight, but that's uh, that's what you get with us. We're not. We, we did this, you know. We purposely did this like in the moment, right? It's you can't script out a draft. So, uh, but this has been great. Um, we're not taking a break. We're we're jumping right into recording our next pod. But uh, while you're here, we are gonna say our goodbyes. Uh, Stone, let the people know where they can find you and what they got to do. Yeah, um, you can follow me and more oversights at report underscore court on Twitter. Uh, if you want to follow the podcast, you can follow us at Upside Swings. Um, and then any ratings, reviews, or subscriptions are much appreciated. It helps us grow our base. Um, you know, we, we love doing this, um, but if we can reach more people uh, while doing it, that's sort of... Um, sort of our plan so it would it would help us out a lot and mean a lot to us yeah uh, all that stuff i mean means a ton like you guys uh ha- have no idea how much it it helps and 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 helps us feel supported when we get any ratings or reviews um this this has been an incredible time uh i'll i'll, I'll give a whole smulty spiel at the end of our next pod that'll be the last uh before the draft so that's where you'll get to hear me be all sappy. Uh, for now, this has been the Upside Swings Draft Podcast. We hope we hit our ceiling. Thank you.